Thank you for listening to the Hillsview Men's Ministry. We are a group of men building relationships to equip and encourage each other. All right. Um, if you guys are on the email list, you would have gotten the link to where we uh, post all of these sites. And then you also would have seen the little blurb that I wrote uh, for this talk. Or we also put it in the bulletin. So what I wrote to describe this talk is that little teaser part is that we can point to situations where we may have crossed a line in dealing with others. And sometimes that's a bad outcome. Other times it is necessary. So what I'm hoping to do in this talk is just encourage all of us to live our faith in Christ in boldness. So these are what I've had as the titles of the talks. What is a line? Why is there a line? And now we're going into where is the line? So a quick recap of the last two months. <clears throat> what? We can be confident in our biblical worldview when faced with skeptics. And we need to be disciple and to disciple others. Why? Life gives us moments of wondering. Jesus tells us life is not designed to be lived apart from him. Now my original thought for this series, uh, I think I've mentioned this in the other talks as well, but it did come from a recent interaction I'd had with a family member where I was told, I don't listen and I'm abrasive. My many examples. What I like to call debates, others may see it different. People don't speak truth, well, am I supposed to correct them? And I do reject hyperbole and I don't respond to negative sarcasm. So at my job, I'm technology support. So I get to hear this every day, nothing works, or it always does this, and I am typing in my password right. <laughs> now I can provide an immediate rebuttal to demonstrate that their claim is untrue, but I know they're coming from frustration. What they're just trying to do is do their job, and what I want to do in my job is just help them. So I'm not providing that rebuttal. But when people do say things that are untrue, I feel it's worth to say, here is truth, even if it's seemingly insignificant. If I hear things that aren't funny, but the person wants them to be, well, I just, I don't fake any laughter. So these are the reasons that I do get in trouble. And maybe I'm not the only one here, but we might have also heard statements like these and maybe have tried to respond to them. Just do whatever makes you happy. Well, that's just your opinion. True for you, but not for me. Or the other one Andy had told us during his presentations, the born that way myth. Now, these are common cultural sentiments that we hear, but they're lies and deflections. And we could have said them ourselves because they sound nice and polite. But they're meant to draw a line so that saying this means you don't have to engage with what the other person said or what you think they're going to be saying. Now, if we're to engage or respond to a person who's used lines like this or other interactions that we have, I ask, where is the line? And to be honest, continually working through it. But we're going to cross it. So check your motivations and why that's happening. Now, Pastor West gave us this message a few weeks ago on living the way Christ was modeled to us in Philippians. 
He titled that sermon, The Christ Hymn. And in that, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, the verse here is, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So if the right motivations are present, and you cross a line, it could offend another person, could break a relationship, or it could initiate a change. Be willing to risk it. Because we can restore a relationship. We can learn to be better witnesses and better people. But we don't want to compromise truth, and we do not deny Christ. So, with where is the line here, I'm going to do this in three sections again, or three key lines. And I'm going to slightly change the question here from where is the line to where is your line. Now, the first one I have here is your lifeline. The line, or we often call it the dash, between being born and dead, what's on the tombstone. Now, Pastor John Piper, in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, he references a sign that hung near his door that he got to read every day as he went out into the world, which is, only one life soon will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. The second line I have here is your spine line. Do you have backbone? Do we have resolve? And the third here is your line of sight. You can't hit what you aren't aiming at. So this is the graphic I previewed for us last month's talk. Um, this is where we all are. We're in that middle part. We're on the lifeline right now. It is possible for some of us here, we could actually be raptured, may not experience death, and that could be our hope. But don't stop living. Don't wait for later. Don't live without a purpose. Now, there's an old joke. Um, when a man says he'll do something, he'll do it. You don't have to remind him every six months. <laughs> we may have a lot of lists of things that we want to do, that we intend to do, that we woulda, coulda, shoulda. Don't live, and I got this from another uh, you know, talk or another group setting, you don't should yourself. Okay? You don't just keep on with the potential or the what-ifs. Be intentional about what we can do. Are we prioritizing the right things to do? Now, if we saw this last week, Monday, uh, there was a football player, almost lost his life on the field. And for several days, all of sports media, most of national media, all of social media, paid attention to this one man. There was a lot of reflection, a lot of thoughts and prayers happened. Uh, and he wasn't that famous of a player, um, but this is what I thought was an interesting outcome from this. So he had wanted to do a little charity drive where he was going to support kids getting Christmas gifts in his community. He had a goal of $2,500. That's before this incident. There's now $7 million in that account. There's going to be a lot of lives impacted by one moment. Now, it could only be uh, for us one moment, and we're at the end of our lifeline. But there can also be one moment in our life that impacts others around us, that could change eternity for a person and to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, you're alive. 
Each day is designed for a relationship with Christ and to fulfill his purpose. So here's what we can know for today and in this moment. We are alive. Now here's what John wrote in his first letter. Chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 20. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. And this is what God has... And we know that the Son of God has come. And he has given us understanding so that we know the true God And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. So I had, at the end of my life, this hope that I wish it could be said for me that most people would know. He loves Jesus, he loves his family, and he lived each day to the fullest. And I also had this other thought, too. So that what if at my funeral, it was more than just family and friends, what if there are actually people gathered to celebrate that I was dead, that they don't have to deal with me anymore? <laughs> now, this is what happened for the first Christians. I, this is why they threw them in jail. This is why they would stone them. This is why they got thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. It's actually what happens for a lot of believers around the world today. And it's an interesting effect if that's how it would be. But it's not something we strive for. But it's going to be true. I won't have lived each day that way, but I hope to. And here's how I think we can go to have more days lived to the fullest than not. And this is where we're going to examine ourselves with line number two. So I know earlier when I said I don't like things to be untrue, But I can't get away with the spine here as a literal example. So this is actually my spine. I have scoliosis. So I'm not talking about spines as in the straight and narrow as a physical concept here. Uh, It's going to be more about our actions, our decisions, the strength of our character. What is at the core of who you are? Now, Scripture has a lot to say about strengthening our resolve, but this is where I thought there'd be some ideas for how of us to think through this on for the resolve that we have. Where are the lines we draw for people we protect and will sacrifice your life for? Truth that you will not let be compromised. Maintaining the integrity you developed over your life, ensuring it to be unassailable. And being a Christ follower when it comes with a cost. Now, this is what Paul wrote to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show his grace through Christ Jesus. So we can be inspired by the lives of the apostles, by the Old Testament faithful, the faithful men we are blessed to have in our own lives. 
Hopefully it was our fathers. But if not, there's other godly men who can be family, friends, teachers, mentors. Now there's one more area I think we can draw inspiration from, which is stories. So books, TV, movies, it's better when they're real stories, or maybe if they're just mostly real, or sometimes they can be entirely made up. Because we have examples of men who met the call. There's also examples of men who failed. Those can be the same men. But for movies, this was one that inspired me. Now, I was raised on action movies. And when I was 16, I actually went to go see this 10 times in the movie theater. I still watch it occasionally, uh, but I have felt that it should be used as the mandatory rite of passage in a manhood. Uh, maybe. But the more I think about it, definitely should be. And I still watch it occasionally, uh, but my favorite scene has become this exchange between Robert the Bruce and his father, who is in hiding due to his leprosy. So I'm going to start this, and we'll see if we're okay with volume. Lands, titles, men, power, nothing. Nothing. I have nothing. Men fight for me. Because if they do not, I throw them off my land and I starve their wives and their children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk, they fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. And it's tearing me apart. All men betray. All lose heart. And a Willem's hurt! I want to believe as he does. I will never be on the wrong side again. I would like to actually just have that clip be the send-off. Let's go. You know, seize the day. Or we're playing a game. You know, let's go beat our opponents. Or if it was into battle. But I'm not a military leader. As you saw with my back, no actually military would have taken me. But I've been the captain for many of my rec teams. Mostly because nobody else wants to do it more than I deserve it. But what I do want to encourage us here is never to be on the wrong side again. Now, moving to our last one here, your line of sight. Here's where I could be crossing the line again, because line of sight is using hunting, shooting reference, obviously using a bow or gun. Now, there's been a lot of controversial political ads that have used this same type of example. Uh, or sometimes it's just a candidate walking around with a gun. You know, shooting and stuff. So the advice for political candidates I would have is just don't use any weapons in the ads. And maybe if you could, we could have fewer ads. But here is um, what I use this for is we do have to be aiming at something. We have to be looking for something. We have to uh, be aiming in a right direction. 
So we've heard that worship song. I lift my eyes up to the mountain. So this is my music quote for this talk. I lift my eyes up to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. This is actually from Psalm 121, written by David. I mean, it's actually the worship song is direct copy almost from the psalm. And here's what can happen, though. We let our eyes, attention, life get focused on other things. And I probably had a good example of this because earlier in this talk, I brought up sports. I brought up movies. (laughs) I mean, it takes our eyes. It's very easy for us to get looking in another way. But how do we keep our focus on Christ? Now, I'm going to work in a little bit more philosophy here for it. Uh, This is one of the things that you have is a principle, which can be true and is true in minor examples, is also true in extreme examples. It's just easier to identify. So I'd ask Ron and uh, Pastor West for encouragement with an extreme example. Now, here's what I had emailed them, is that a young man that they've discipled, counseled, and mentored for a good length of time has told you he's going to be going on a long-term mission in a place where it will be very hard to communicate with, won't be able to reach him. He has some doubts on being able to serve faithfully and not be discouraged. He wants to remain bold in his faith when challenged with opposition. And this will be their last talk with him before he goes. So what's the encouragement, wisdom, Bible verses, or prayers you would share with them? And here's what Pastor Wes wrote me back. I would encourage him to keep trusting God, that God is in control. Remain faithful in your personal devotion time and keep praying, rejoicing, being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Be encouraged by reading Acts while you're serving in the mission field, along with Philippians, the joyful letter from Paul. Give him a copy of Safely Home by Randy Alcorn to read as he has time. Pastor Ron wrote me, Remind him that he has every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.3, and he has everything he needs for life and godliness, 2 Peter 2-4, that a divine power is available to him and that it drives a divine nature that he now has. Encourage him to allow the mission and ministry to unfold in front of him and to seek God with each step and follow his voice, the good shepherd goes before us. Remind him that hardship can grow closer to the Lord and that in the end, he will work it all out for us that love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. So we might not be in that extreme example, but God has placed us where he wants us for today. And these are the first words that Ron had wrote in this scenario, and I find them good words for us to end on here. Abide in Christ. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. And remember you're holy and acceptable because the Lord makes us that way. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth when you didn't have to setting aside who you were to become as a man and to model for us how to live this life, which is in obedience and relationship to you.
I ask that uh, that's what we would take away from here, is that desire, that our focus and our aim is going to be looking towards you to just have your life live out in us, that we would make each day count, uh, that we would make our relationships count, and the interactions we have with others count for eternity. You've shown us grace when we don't deserve it. Help us remain thankful and help us love others. In Jesus' name, amen.